accountants. It's time to make it count. My name is Freddie Bennett, former accounting industry executive turned entrepreneur, business owner, change maker, and Guinness world record holder. In each episode, we bring you the powerhouses from across the accounting world to help you discover how to unlock endless possibilities, turbocharge your accounting practice, and make it count in business and in life. Thank you for showing up for yourself today. Now, let's dive into another unmissable episode of Make It Count. Welcome to another powerful episode of Make It Count. We are the podcast that's making the whole accounting industry listen up and pay attention. And today, folks, as always, I have a real treat for you. I am delighted to welcome Mr. Rick Thorpe, advisor to Sidekick Chartered Accountants Christchurch. Rick, many are called, but few are chosen. Welcome to Make It Count. Excellent. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Rick, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. To kick us off, for anyone that hasn't heard of yourself and Sidekick Chartered Accountants, tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, perfect, Freddie. Look, I think that there'll be the vast majority of people haven't heard of me, so uh, <laughs> I'll quite happily uh, inform them. Uh, so look, I've uh, been with the Sidekick Group now for just uh, 13 years, actually. Just had the anniversary of that um, last month. So my background's always been in sales. Uh, sales, as I've then grown up, have realised that that's become advisory. You know, it's all about asking questions and finding solutions and what have you. So um, when I started here as a lowly 25-year-old junior-ish sales guy, um, my my career has grown within that space. And uh, through to what's been the last few years, you know, we've gone and opened up eight offices and become an owner in six of them. And, uh, and we've grown quite a great team now around the South Island of New Zealand with 65 people here and then about 15, I think, where we uh, offshore as well. So it's been a great growth, really fantastic time with Sidekick, world's first zero platinum partner, which was a secret we kept to ourselves for too long. And um, yeah, a great bunch of people. So and, and a good growth trajectory ahead of us as well. I love that. And, and Rick, it's brilliant that we bring in the sales aspect so early because I think sales and accounting, many people may think they go together like oil and water sometimes, especially because people, ironically, accountants think of sales and they think of this kind of like oily snake oil salesperson. How did that enjoyment and love of sales come about for you, first of all? And then how did that evolve to being involved in, in an industry that is traditionally quite anti-sales? I was blessed with only having one skill. So I didn't have career options. I just went and did sales. As a youngster, I'd, um, you know, school yielded some pretty average results for me. Um, I was there to have my lunch and play football. And, um, but I was bright enough as a youngster, but just not really that uh, academically inclined. And so I got into the workforce at the age of 16, 17 really quickly found myself in some awesome roles. I was working for the auto trader group at 17 in the UK. Mm. Um, 
on the phone, busy, you know, inbound and outbound um, phone calls and uh, really uh, quickly was actually invited to move into the kind of hardcore sales team. So that was quite intimidating being a 17, 18 year old on the sales floor with a uh, hundred odd really capable salespeople uh, that were selling two car yards. So, you know, if you think that a used car salesman <laughs> is uh, is cutthroat, you should see the guys that sell them advertising. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a hell of a learning experience for me, one that I absolutely loved. I enjoyed it. I actually won Sales Rep of the Year for 2004, I think it was, nice. for the National Sales North. And then in my wisdom of being a 19-year-old, thought, right, I'll go travel or do whatever. And um, and I'm really grateful for it. Mm. But yeah, dotted about then, moved down uh, various places in England and even overseas and kept on my kind of traveling journey, um, landing in New Zealand at the age of nearly 22. Right. It was actually really cool because when, when you can do sales, you actually kind of always have a job. Mm. It's like kind of being a carpenter or whatever. Wind the clock forward a few more years, having owned my own businesses, done whatever in New Zealand, I was recruited and um, and pulled in to be interviewed for this accountancy firm. And I thought, my God, this is going to be boring. This is not me. Like, I love tech. I love advertising. I love all of this cool stuff. Mm. And just accountancy is, um, well, I realize I've got patches on this um, <laughs> elbow, but that's because they've got cool. But back yeah. at the time, they weren't cool. So I yeah, joined, went for these interviews with this accountancy firm, really thinking I knew what accountancy looked like at the time. And just how wrong was I? There was a real pioneering guy, Dave Jessup, who was the founder of this firm uh, called DJCA. He was amazing. Um, and then you had family members that were kind of getting involved in the business as well, who were ex-trading floor guys out of London, uh, phenomenally successful people that had done Forex trading and what have you. So, And I was in a little old Christchurch with all of this going on. So I was just blown away. At actually, this is a cool place. This is a great team. They're not just going to do an end-of-year tax return for you. They actually are really progressive. So mm. I was blessed with that. Now, perhaps I was in a tad of a unique accountancy firm back then. Yeah, it's August 2010. Um, they were nearly wholly zero clients then. So Sorry, you know, client-based mm. then. So it was relatively unique. But it was just really geared towards a great spot for a, a young salesman to be. And I yeah, got into it. And we'd also productized. That was the other thing. At the time, we were doing fixed monthly fees, mm. software. I had a product to go out and sell. Again, sitting in another accountancy firm at the time, doing some ambiguous, yeah, we'll do your accounts. Yeah, we'll do it at the end of the year. We'll, we'll work out what the bill will be once we've done it. And um, that couldn't have worked for me. Uh, no. Whereas this was an environment that actually they geared themselves up for a sales room, which was cool. It does sound very cool. And it sounds like as a firm, they were being quite progressive, quite breaking the mold and, and keen to do things differently. And was there ever a fear or potentially a conception of an idea either for yourself or with the firm that this wouldn't work, that, that you were being too out there for an accounting firm? Or was that were you just going ahead with confidence, just saying, we're going to make this happen. 
Uh, well, as a salesman, I just had blind enthusiasm, you know. <laughs> I was, there, was, there was no second thought that this might not go well. Mm. <laughs> no, and, and look, we, we got some really good early results. Reality did bite a little bit later on, right, because actually it was really progressive. And so we found out where the cracks were once we were doing it. And this is a philosophy we still have. Like, if it looks like a good idea, smells like a good idea, go for it, and you'll find out if it is or not. So, Mm. look, I mean, we tried to hire some other people. We tried to replicate this model a few other times. That's been less successful. We thought that we'd have an army of salespeople and go and take over the world. That didn't quite happen. Um, there were a number of things that we did where we perhaps did spend too much money on certain things. Because again, it's that, you know, paving the way is a mm. fairly expensive way of doing things. It's much easier to just watch someone else and do what we call R&D, which is um, rip off and duplicate. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, yeah, you can't really do that when, you, when you're trying to lead from the front. So yeah, we learned a lot. Um, but time heals all wounds. So we didn't make as much money as we could have right back at the beginning. And look, probably still don't, probably still leave money on the table. But we've had great growth and mm. it's been really sustainable. I mean, even some of the first clients I signed up in 2010 are still clients today. We still pay a monthly fee and uh, we support them. So it, it's working really well. I love so much of what you say there, Rick. I think it- For any firm, if you're wanting to lead from the front, then you have to be prepared to make some mistakes and make some wrong terms. And I always like to say that the only real mistake we can make is not making mistakes, because if we're not making mistakes, that means we're just, as you say, sat on the sidelines, not wanting to get on the pitch. But the key is learning from them and then not making the same mistake over and over again. And I think it sounds like it's been a a journey of learning and progressing for you all and and, and just with with that growth aspect as well i'm a big believer if you stretch out the time scale then everything can be a win it's just the case we're also focused on just the next quarter or just the financial year or getting to the end of the dare i call it the next busy period but if you stretch out as you say over five years 10 years 13 years in your case with psychic then then the trend only goes one way, and that's upwards if you're keeping on to taking action. Mm, totally, totally. And and also always having that in mind of what's your growth model, what's your business model. If you can, we've been really lucky to do nearly all of our growth out of cash flow. Mm. Um, I mean, we did, we bought a couple of firms um, and changed them a, a, a little bit, but we, You know, I used to be so jealous of a particular competitor of ours. And when I had three offices and I thought, I'm doing pretty well, um, I saw that there was a really close competitor of ours with 27. And I was like, right, I'm really not doing that well. (laughs) Then then I've seen um, that that particular one has shrunk quite significantly over that period of time because um, they grew a different way. And mm. their way looked awesome, but didn't endure. Um, luckily, they were really well-backed, um, so they asked still around. But, um, yeah, the fact that we were looked at the fundamentals, what's our business model? Does it make sense? Is it profitable? Uh, can we grow from it? Yes. 
and the fundamentals were there and we grew from it. Um, and that's where, like you say, time heals all wounds mm. um, because, uh, yeah, you can just ride out the storm. So, like I said, I've seen the odd one where they've gone for big growth in our space, but they were perhaps funding it through um, this one in particular was through like licensee fees. Mm. It just, you know, when you say, hey, you've got a salary for a year and we'll, we'll return to this in a year. Oh, by the way, go and sell a lot, Mr. Accountant. <laughs> <laughs> the year comes up and it's like, oh, no, I didn't sell a lot. Because yeah. accountants and salespeople, coming back to your point earlier, um, mm. oil and water, yeah, it's not quite the kind of pan fire that <laughs> you might think of. I do believe that all accountants could sell. I certainly believe that the ones that are um, anyone that's into advisory can mm. definitely sell. It's just learning the sequence of questions. It's pulling out good information mm. so that you can provide the best solution. That is all sales is. And if you care enough, you know, one of my great uh, phrases that I try and live by is that that you know, people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. If you can't show that you care, they won't be inclined to do anything more with you. So um, it comes from really caring. And if you can do that, that your business will grow and theirs will too. I love that. And you did absolutely hijack my question about accountants and sales. So we'll come back to that in a second. But um you should host a podcast, Rick. You're good at this. But um, but I think you're right around that caring. And you know, one, one thing I say as well, and we can have an inspirational phrase off, which I always love doing. But I always say, if you fill your calendar with service, um, you don't have to worry about revenue. The revenue question goes away. If you just wake up every morning and think, how could I serve my either my clients or just businesses in general? If you serve from breakfast till dinner time, then um, yeah revenue is not a problem but we don't do it we don't serve we think what's the framework or then we think oh how i but i i couldn't be a salesperson i'm an accountant usually what happens is we i'd love to get your view on this but my personal view is that we we get in our own way and then we think i need some more knowledge i need another framework i need another model i need something else it's all bullshit like we need to it's about removing stuff it's about taking things out of people's ways and just say how can I just serve this person? Or you say, how can I just care about them? And in your experience, has it been like that? Or is there some other magic approach for accountants? 100%. And absolutely. And I've, um, I've been swatting up on a few of your podcasts over the last couple <laughs> of weeks. And so I've heard you mention this before, that fill the diary, fill your calendar with like client meetings and what have you. Mm. And you're dead right. The stuff comes flooding in. And... Um, now, I, I live by this, and I thought that it was immediately apparent that this was what I do. It was only this morning that um, one of our um, younger accountants popped over, and he's like, got this client. We've said we want to catch up. He's not sure he's making um, enough money at the minute for his turnover. And I was like, look, let's dive in. Let's take a look at it. You know, the joys of this the software that we use today and mm. i dive into this guy's PL for the last two or three years i'm seeing some trends that do look a tad worrying you know you don't want it to get any worse and i was like perfect look let's get him in let's have this chat and he goes oh we include an annual meeting for his annual accounts will it mm. be that or do we need to charge him more it's like, God, no, we don't mm. need to charge him more get him in like we <laughs> so, so i think maybe i 
there must be some kind of invisible barrier that exists mm. where we're worried, oh, let, let's not give away too much for free or let's not do this. I know we don't want to be doing that, but we do need to be giving service, giving care. And so I said to the younger um, accountant, I said, look, one of two things is going to happen here. The guy will come in, we'll have a great annual accounts meeting. We're going to give him heaps of tips and things that he can be looking at doing within this annual accounts meeting. Happy with that. And he'll leave, he'll be happy, and he'll be loyal, Mm. and we won't have made any money on the day. That's fine. That's absolutely great because we've still got great wins out of it. So, or through all of this, we'll realize that he needs further support and help to help me reach all those milestones. Mm. Then... We do have a massive win from that. So does he. It's like, get him in through the door, right? Let's just have these chats. And then the other thing is with that, you know, saying to the guy, it's like, plus it's going to be great experience for you because you're going to be having these business development chats around yourself or whoever else it is. That's how I gained nearly all of my knowledge in this space was Mm. through um, osmosis from sitting next to the founder of our firm for 10 years well he was doing advisory you know it was a great way for me to learn i totally agree and with with my business i i work with a number of accounting firms just to help them sell more advisory work and i always say if you want the best world-class training that you could get and how to sell advisory to clients then have a hundred meetings with clients. I can teach people that you can't learn even better. It's uh, it's like back when a uh, like an eighteen year old Freddie was playing the dating game, and um, it was like, how do you ask someone for their phone number? Well, you ask a hundred people for their phone number, and then by number a hundred, you're going to be a hell of a lot better at it than you were at number one. Uh, in most cases, I, I was still terrible at a hundred. Oh, same. <laughs> this does remind me, sorry, segue here, but a, a hilarious uh, meme I saw the other day, and it was a picture of Henry Cavill, right, you mm. know, looking like Henry Cavill. And he goes, you know, if you fancy a girl, just ask around. Always works for me. <laughs> Funny that, isn't it? The the yes. millionaire male model Hollywood actor Henry always works for him. Yeah, we are there. <laughs> but no, um, I agree with you. You know, your 100 meetings, your 100, like whatever it is, I absolutely agree because otherwise everything's just theory. And mm. if you're just going to spend all this time reading up on sales tactics or yeah, listening to podcasts like this, but not putting it into action, mm. you'll never actually find your way of doing it. And There'll be things that work so sublimely well for somebody and um, you'll give it a go and it will just fail. And Mm. no matter how much you practice it, you'll never get better at it, right? Or you won't get better results. There'll be a way that you can do it and you're only going to find that out by giving it a go a hundred times, like Mm. you say. You know, my, my business partner and I, we are chalk and cheese. He'll get fantastic results of driving uh, advisory revenue costs. He's such an expert. He's really capable in certain areas, and people can see that, and they just want to buy from him. Mm. I don't have that skill set, so I don't have the ability to sell that. I've got to ask broad questions. You know, I I follow um, the spin selling model, Oh yeah, and it's just become a, a natural thing for me now. So I'll go broad and then kind of narrow down and go, right, I found a problem. And do you agree that we need to do this? Yes, perfect. 
um, it'll nearly never be me that provides the solution. <laughs> I'll just hand it on to the right person. Mm. So, yeah, we'll have our own ways of doing it. Definitely. And I think, as you say, and it's, it's one of a bugbear that I have sometimes, maybe this comes from the more kind of the marketing world, when everyone's like, follow this five-step plan or this blueprint or this process or this structure. And I always think it's the equivalent of, if we were all, again, if we had a hundred of us in a kitchen with Gordon Ramsay and Gordon Ramsay's there shouting, stir the effing sauce, and you're following his recipe with his ingredients, using his utensils, we are not going to be able to totally recreate a Gordon Ramsay success. It's the same with sales and delivery frameworks. Someone's giving us something and saying, this worked for me or work for you, but it probably won't. And that's why it's so important to also, I find, bring our own personalities to it. And I'd love to get your view on this around authenticity because we we either go into, I mean, this was, was in my corporate days. Very early on, I was like, I need to be this person who works at an accounting firm and they're very serious and they don't have fun. They don't smile because we're all serious. And that just wasn't me. And, and I think also now accountants say, I need to be a salesperson. Shit, who do I, what's it? I can't be a salesperson how much or how important do you feel it is to put your own spin on it? And then secondly, that authenticity and how much of that can we bring into our roles as, as accountants? In my mind, it has to start with you absolutely being yourself. Mm. The question isn't how can I become a salesperson, especially if your image of a salesperson is different to who you actually are. Mm. So we can never, as um, as employers or even to ourselves looking in the mirror, go, how do I be a different person and do this? Because that is going to fail at its first hurdle. You know, the first sign of trouble, you'll, you'll ditch it and you'll go back to who you are. Yeah. So I think you do find the framework that works for you. But I'm really loose when it comes to a framework. Like one of the things I'll do, if I'm ever trying to train someone in sales, so many people think it's a case of, getting a whole list of questions and learning them. And if you've learned all of these scripted questions, you'll be able to sell. Well, that's the worst way to ever have a conversation because you're never really listening to the answers. Mm. You are listening for the cue so that you can ask your next question. Yep. And it will be insincere and it won't work. Mm. So I'll always speak to people and go, find out what it is you need to know so that you can sell your solutions better, so that ultimately you can help people better. Mm. You know, if you know that you can help people better when they have perhaps uh, they're a bit disorganized with their systems, they're a bit disorganized with their team, or they're a bit disorganized with their cash flow, and you go, well, these are my strong suits, I'm really good in this space. Great. Ask a whole bunch of questions to find out what their pain is in these areas Mm. and then find out what their commercial costs are of these kind of failures and then find out what it's going to be worth for them to fix that Mm. and then how long they've got how long do they want to spend fixing it so if we can understand the problem what we think the solution might be how painful this is and what they're prepared to spend on it and how long we've got to fix it, well, that's the sale. Mm. That's the advisory, right? And I haven't actually given you any scripted questions to do it because you're you're going to have the skills, if this is your strong suit, you're going to have the skills to fix that yourself. 
Definitely. And I love that in terms of, of guiding a client to understand, as you say, their, their problem, the cost of staying as they are, the cost of fixing it, and it's helping them to make their own conclusions. There's no convincing, there's no persuading, there's no none of this stuff that makes us feel slimy and sleazy. And I always say that stuff feels slimy because it is slimy. So why not just, rather than trying to convince ourselves it is or it isn't, why not just not do it and help a client to, to shine a light on, on the things that they already probably know, yet uh, are either afraid or unwilling to actually acknowledge? Yeah, yeah, the old, uh, you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant, right? You mm. just put a light on it, let them understand it, we'll look at it, okay. And, and it's also a great sanity check for the client because so often you're looking at things and they'll have us, their perspective is wrong. A little problem that we deal with day in, day out, you know, 10 grand's worth of tax debt, right? Mm. How often does an accountancy firm have to do it with 10 grand's worth of tax debt, right? <laughs> but for this person, it's the biggest problem in the world. Yeah. They're just really head up about it. How on earth are we going to deal with this? And they think, and they're embarrassed about it and all of that. Mm. And then they come and chat to a junior accountant. And I, oh, yeah, now I see this every week. Yeah, no, we can fix that for you. Exactly. So give them that clarity of thought back. That is unbelievably helpful you you'll give that person their sleep back and probably some of their relationships and all the rest of it right and it's easy for us definitely terrible for them it's just like going to a doctor and saying look i've got this rash and it's been really it's a whole i won't even go there with that story but it's like yeah a problem with this keeping you awake at night and then um the doctor just say oh yeah we're gonna fix that and then you can literally feel allegedly allegedly feel that that weight being lifted off your shoulders I say, ah, oh, phew, it's not, it's not what I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should probably change tack right now. Otherwise, it's, it's going to go and uh, yeah, into the late night episode of Make It Count. Um, <laughs> but with Psychic, and you've talked about your, you know, your journey there and the fact that it's so many success stories with the clients that you've brought on board. Still, 10 years later, they're still there. They're still clients. What do you think is the secret to that success, that that keeping those those clients for such a long time? Not all been a bed of roses and success. <laughs> like any business, there have been uh, trials and tribulations, right? But where the successes have gone right, it's gone because we've got it right by being really intentional about what we do, right? Mm -hmm. So we are not a traditional old firm, the accountant that you described earlier, that's, you know, we are really serious. We have to be serious, you know. Mm. We're not trying to be all things to all people, right? We have a really strong brand mantra, which is swans. Now, we are ourselves. We work with, we like to attract people that are smart, they are work hard, they're ambitious, and they're nice. Mm. They have to be all four of those things, right, to be a swan. My least favorite people in the world are the swans because they're just smart, they work hard, and they're ambitious. They're really awful to be around, mm. right? They're, um, Definitely. They'll step on you. They'll never be thankful. Mm. Uh, and they're just, yeah, really hard work. So if you're not a full swan, I suppose my second favorite people would be a one where they just work hard, they're ambitious, and they're nice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, 
it's when I look at our good, successful, long-term relationships, right? They are those people. We really care about working with nice people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit hard to quantify, but yet you can still really see it when it's there or when it isn't. Definitely. Um, we are also really values-driven. And, you know, this stuff seems so airy-fairy 10 years ago. And he, mm. you know, as a... As a cutthroat salesperson that I probably never was, but, you know, <laughs> you kind of think, oh, is this, you know, is this who we are? But the reality is it really is who we are. We know who we are. We know what we like. Yeah, by being a really values-driven business, you attract like and you have a really good sustainable model because if you don't have that, you have price to compete on or features. Mm. As, you know, that's not a battle you, that you want to go into either or not on those because again then you're trying to convince and get to lower your prices and selling your features and it's just it's just so superficial i think as you say if you can win on who you are the value you deliver the the attention that you give and and say your, your personal values then then that's such a more a more powerful way to find your tribe both in terms of, of employees and clients yeah, totally, totally. And the other thing is, you know, one of one of the values I'm the most um, proud of is our value of connected, right? And we just, uh, we talk about how that's about the best solution. You know, when we are talking to a client and there's a very little bit of stuff that we'll do for a client, it's tax returns and advisory and systems, okay? Mm. Their problem, if it's a big one, probably does not fall within our solution set, right? It's outside of it. So how can we use our network, our client base, our suppliers to find the solution for them, work together? And clients love that. Our network really is like a spider's web. You know, it's Mm. not a hub and spoke. Like it is really connected. And I love that. And it just means then that work is far more enjoyable. Like you're hanging out with the same people and say it all the time. So Definitely. yeah, it's a big thing for me. Hmm. With that side, focusing on the clients, and in terms of your your team and your talent, I mean, obviously, Sidekick is is a powerful brand, as you say. You focus on the swans, on the connection, on being values driven, especially with one eye on, uh, on on the talent shortage that everyone seems to be talking about at the moment. What's important to you in terms of attracting, growing, and and retaining your talent? Again, it comes back to starting off being really intentional, right? We know who we want. We communicate in real depth with recruiters, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's funny. So I was just at ZeroCon last week and I was on stage a couple of times and this one really did come up because nearly everywhere people are just really battling, mm-hmm. finding talent and retaining it. I look at our Christchurch office it's devastating. We've got far more great CVs coming across our desk and wanting to interview than we can even hire. Really? Like, um, perhaps I'm not doing a good enough job in my sales <laughs> role. You know, perhaps I need to go and find another hundred grand worth of fees um, because they, um, honestly, it's great. Um, we mm. get really good rep from our recruiters. And of course, they're motivated to send somebody to us, but yeah. they send them to us, it feels like, first, which is awesome because. They know that if it's a 
When I say young, I'm not uh, <laughs> discriminating against someone that isn't young, okay? But they're mm. young at heart, I'll say. Yes, right? if they're you know, if they're young at heart, they're tech ready, and they want to get into business performance and better business performance, um, and they want a good, fun career. Mm. Like Sidekick's got a reputation for delivering that, and so they're the people we want. And they're the people that are being sent to us. Mm. We don't get CVs from people that are like, yeah, really good technical accountant, and I just want to sit in the back room, and I don't want to talk to anyone, and I want to just get paid a lot of money for it, Mm. right? If that's your career goal, fantastic, but you wouldn't love it here, and that feeling would probably be mutual, right? (laughs) Granted, Christchurch probably has an abundance of talent, which other places don't, but it's also, there's an abundance of competition for us here. So we Mm. get really good results here. In all honesty, we battle further away from here. So trying to find accountants in places like Warnocker and Queenstown is so difficult. Mm. We've had some great results recently in Warnocker as our network there has grown, but we've had to be really patient. Um, And again, it's been a case of, if someone looks like they fit 80, 90%, mm. it's still a no. I love that. And that's a really bold decision to make, especially as saying, I hate the phrase, in the current climate, but in the current climate. And I think so much of what we've been talking about here is, is about backing yourself as a firm, as an individual, uh, with your clients, as you say, with your talent as well. It's a very bold thing to do, but I guess it can be quite scary at times as well. Oh, it's terrifying. And I don't like being the guy at the other end of the Zoom call that says, mm. nah, I don't want to hire them, you know? And it's like, it's every, you can see, like you mm. can feel um, the tension coming back through the screen of them going, we really need to hire <laughs> someone and this person can do the job. And I'm like, yeah, but, <laughs> you know, if they're not perfect, mm. then there'll be a problem. And I think it really is that much of a knife edge when it comes to hiring people. If they don't seem like they are just 100%, then the cracks will show really quickly. Um, We, you know, something that Mark Jenkins has taught me over the years, what you say no to defines what you can say yes to. If you Mm -hmm. hire the wrong person and just what if it is like a bus, you know, the next one comes along straight away. You can't hire them. Can't do anything. Definitely. I'm also not into. I know that we have the opportunity with 90 days. Uh, I think in um, you know the, the trial period or, or whatever mm. it is. But that's not something I ever want to use. No. I know that you can, but it's not something that I design to use. So just be really mindful, like that. Hire slow. Get mm. it right. Get them in. And if you do get it wrong, do do the fire fast. But hopefully if you hire well enough, Mm. you don't need to. One example I'm really proud of in the Christchurch office is that since January 2014, since I've rejoined the team here, we have had one accountant leave us and go to a competitor. Um, You know, we've got a young team. We've got young people here that have been here for 10 years um, and they're still in their 30s, right? So to have that kind of, longevity of service with our team is just unreal we really know each other but again we've always had that mantra hire slow be intentional don't take someone on because they're 90 percent there because Mm. that gap will actually it will just grow over time 
I totally agree with that. It's similar to one of the phrases I try and live my my life by, which is, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. And yeah, uh, that, that's that, a key yeah, thing. Yeah, and it's, it's hell yes or hell no. Yeah, just <laughs> exactly. Um, and it's and it's difficult, as you say, because I mean, it's very easy to say, yeah, if I don't say hell yes to it, then it has to be a no. But then when you're actually in that, when every part of you is saying, I'm sure it'll be fine. Just just say yes to this. To still, again, back yourself and stick to your values. And again, this could be in recruitment. It could be in terms of working with clients. It could be relationships, anything else we do with our life. But I say it's either a hell yes or a no. Yeah. It can be a challenging one. But again, over the long enough time horizon, that outlook yeah. usually pays off. Yeah. I've, I've got another thing for this, and it really helps me um picture it right so well there's actually two one i learned from a book mm. and it was something like how to how to swim with sharks and survive but the um the learning out of it was when you're interviewing someone and you imagine if they worked for my closest competitor how do i feel and if you are not gut-wrenchingly you know sick of thinking oh my god no if this person works for my closest competitor this would be a disaster i have to have them mm. if you don't have that feeling if you're like oh no, yeah they can go and work over the road don't hire them right yeah. you don't need them or want them enough and another one i have is because every year we have a, an annual conference where yeah. all of the offices get together and um in a two weeks we're going to be in hamna so mm. can't wait for that right definitely and i with everyone that we hire i was like how am i going to feel if i end up being sat next to them at the dinner definitely and if i don't want to be mm. then again not the right person like i want it that when we've got a hundred people it doesn't matter who you sat next to, if that person sat next to that person or whatever, because they're all similar, great people that will get on. That is the goal. I have been told with this dream, though, that if you walk into a room of 100 people and there isn't a single dick, um, <laughs> then it means that you're the dick. So that, that might be the case for me. <laughs> I'm sure it isn't. I'm sure that, yeah, I heard it in terms of, of the smartest person in the room or or something like that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, if, if you're not rather if I'm not the dick in the room, if I'm just not the smartest person in the room, then um, either way, I should be leaving more rooms. I think with some of my uh, my conversations anyway. Um, but I have to know as well. We, we've talked so much about the bright outlook for for the future for Psychic and for you and your talent in terms of the wider industry. Looking to the future, especially now, as you as you say, you've just come back from ZeroCon. Yeah. What is your perspective in terms of the trends, the health of the industry? What are, are accountants going to have to look out for in the in the months and years to come? I've always believed in any business you're in, you have to innovate. I think you've got a responsibility to your clients to innovate, no matter what it is that you do, mm. unless you want to be. A blacksmith. Do you know what I mean? Uh, unless you want to be in an industry that hasn't changed really much for centuries, mm. then innovate. Now, I think that means that there'll be a number of accountancy firms that won't, and I just don't think they'll survive. Mm. So I think you've got to have a thirst to innovate. I think you've got to, got to want to look at problems and see ways of finding solutions for them. Mm -hmm. I believe we should be really excited because... Over time, you could have argued a number of times that the machines have stolen our jobs. Mm. Now, they haven't because we've all still got jobs, right? So they're going to really change our jobs. What they should do, if we could really leverage technology, think how much more we could benefit our clients. Mm. I'm playing with tools at the minute around like 
AI advice. It still mostly needs a human to get involved and, and implement it, but there's going to be some great stuff coming out of it. Mm. I always say this, if all clients needed was knowledge, then why on earth do nutritionalists and personal trainers still exist? Right? Definitely. I know if I want a better body, right? Mm. Eat better, and I have an idea of what that is, and exercise more, and I have an idea of what that is, right? Mm. I could get myself there if it was just a question of knowledge. But it's the accountability, it's the coaching, it's having somebody there to hold your hand, to get you along the way. That is, I think, what the machines will never deliver on that basic human need. I think that it means we can arm some of our more junior accountants with some incredible stuff, which will skyrocket their learning and make them so much more valuable to our clients. So it's really exciting. More tech, more AI, backed up with some good operators. That's going to be sensational. I totally agree. I think that the future is bright. If we can embrace AI, embrace technology in the new way. There is, it's a way to turbocharge, not only the, mm. the careers of accountants, but also the work we can do and the amazing results that, that we can deliver for clients as well. Unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. Mm. And we are, we are sadly reaching the end of the show. Very much love this conversation with you. It's been a really powerful one. We do, of course, have, if you've been listening to the episodes, the secret question. The last question. You're right. The secret question. And for any new listeners, this is where previous Make It Count podcast guests get to ask a question of the current guest, which is what we have for you now. So I have your secret question. Let me, I haven't seen this either, so let me uh, pull it up. A bit of a complex one, but we will uh, we'll get there. So your secret question, Rick, is in a hypothetical scenario years from now, in which one of your future grandchildren asks you, I know you worked for an accounting firm, but what did you actually do? What would you like to be the answer that you give them? What would I like it to be, right? Yeah. That's not where I and that, I like was yeah. written in capitals by this person as well. <laughs> so it's, yeah, what would you like to be the answer? Yeah, so I would love to be able to tell that future grandchild um, that I was able to grow a fantastic group of accountancy firms, developing a huge amount, you know, let's call it hundreds of um, fantastic people into being, um, you know, great advisors, great accountants, which in turn helped thousands and thousands of small business owners. I love that. And that, that really does show as well, Rick, that, the best way to enjoy the future that you want is to create it yourself. I think that's a, that's a very powerful way of doing so. Amazing. Rick, I've loved having you on uh, on this episode. I say it's been a, a really powerful conversation that I know it's going to help so many accountants and accounting firms out there. If people want to, to get in touch with yourself, if they want to find out more about Sidekick, how do they find you? How do they how do they get in touch? Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Um, look, really easy to find. You can find me on Facebook under Rick Thorpe SKCA, which is kind of a worky kind of one. Uh, you find me on LinkedIn with Rick Thorpe, and that is Rick, which is just R I C 
When you're Googling me, you will also find a priest in England. It's not me. That's a different Rick Thorpe. Um, but yeah, hit me up there. And then, of course, we've got the normal uh, company-wide social channels. Um, so search for Sidekick CA and you'll get us there. Um, but yeah, Freddie, thank you too. I've also really enjoyed it. It's been great, you know, having met you a, a few weeks ago now, a few months ago now, I was really impressed with the work that you do. Uh, and yes, certainly I've got a real competitor here when it comes to uh, trying to lock in inspirational quotes uh, in our uh, in mind. So uh, yeah, you know, far more than me. Ah, oh, pleasure. Well, maybe that could be like the spin-off Make It Count series. Well, we'll just get on a podcast and just fire inspirational quotes, like a, like a quote off or something. Uh, yeah, come on in and take your quote off. There you go. And uh, <laughs> so that's, that's about, I'm glad we didn't have to go back to the rash thing as well. I might have to edit that bit out, but um, you never know what you're going to get here on Make It Count. Rick, it's been an absolute pleasure. I wish you all the best. I know that yourself and Sidekick, I'm a huge fan of, of everything that you guys do and uh, all of your your employees and your clients uh, are so lucky to be part of the Sidekick brand. But for now, thank you so much for being a part of Make It Count. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's episode informed, educated, motivated, and inspired you to make it count for your clients and your business. Make sure you check out the show notes of this episode for the all important links. Please hit subscribe, share it with the world, and don't forget to give us a five-star review. We love getting feedback on this show, and I'd love to hear which part resonated with you the most. Remember, you have got the skills, talent, expertise, and experience to make a huge difference in the lives and businesses of your clients. The days of the bean counter are over. It's time to make it count. I'll see you on the other side.